It's the Stack Attack Fantasy Podcast, your one-stop shop to dominate fantasy baseball and football. Come get some. And here we go. It's the Stack Attack Fantasy Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jeff Trella. Not with me today is Trader Andy, but joining me is another Andy. We'll get to that in a minute. But my Greek friend over here, Mr. Nick Mimikos. What's going on, my man? How you doing today? What's up? Going good, going good. Yeah, what do you got going on today? Working hard? Yeah, I'm working hard. Got my drink going on right now. Got my daughter stealing money out of my, my two-year-old stealing out of my uh, wife's wallet. It's great. Is she taking 20s or singles or what? Tens, tens right now. Tens, oh, so we start yeah. in the middle. We'll start in the middle. We'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. Half the time they won't and even she, notice, right? And she's doing the Atlantic City role. Big money, big money. <laughs> teaching them young, teaching Absolutely. them young. All right. What are you drinking today? I know you're you're uh, relaxing. You had a rough day at work. So what, what's Jamie, the drink Jamie, of the day? Jameson and Coke. Okay. All right. I actually poured myself a drink today. I haven't been doing that much lately, but I, I got me a, a Hendrix and tonic with a little cucumber being fancy. Ooh, All right. Ooh, All right. Just a small one, though. Just a small one, though, because I'm still not out of the woods yet. But I am getting a vaccine. My vaccine's coming this week. I'm very excited about that. Something came through for me. So... Uh, hopefully I'll never be in the hospital with this crap again. All right. So we have a guest once again, as we continue our series on strategy sessions, we're going to be talking some auction today and being, I am in an auction with this gentleman in three weeks. I figured I'd bring him on and steal all of his information from Razball and fantasy alarm. It's Mr. Andy Spiteri. What's up, my man? How you doing today? I'm good, Jeff. How you doing, Nick? What's going on? Andy, you're going to have to talk a lot because Nick does not like to talk. He, he's, yeah, I know. He's I, one of the quiet ones. When with Justin, I think Nick said about five words. Yeah, well, I told him to shut up because I wanted to talk. <laughs> but <laughs> I was feeling good that day. <laughs> yeah, All right. I sit back, I speak when spoken to, you know, I'm a good millennial. There you go. Yep. <laughs> Andy, for somebody that doesn't do fantasy sports as a full-time profession, you sure as hell are a full-time profession at this, man. you got a lot going on. Every time I, I turn around, you got something going. What are you working on these next couple of days? It's a busy schedule. Tonight, we have two mocks, one at eight for a TG uh, FBI practice. Mm-hmm. And then I have the mock draft army that we do three, four nights a week at nine o'clock. So I'll be doing both at the same time. And then tomorrow... I'm in the uh, FSGA uh, experts draft at four o'clock. That'll be on Sirius. I mean, today, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, by, by the time this gets out, it'll be tomorrow morning. So it'll be Thursday. Yep. So so tonight, yes, 4 tonight. p.m. 4 p.m. on Sirius. And uh, I'll be going up against uh, some guys that I work with, uh, Jim Bowden and Ryan Hallam. And uh, Scott Engel's in it and Eric Carabell. So that should be fun. I got the 13th out of 14 picks. So on the turn there. And I've uh, got Bowden on the turn in between me. So we'll see how that goes. Oh, and then I have another 15-teamer at the for the MDA tomorrow night at 9 o'clock. So oh, my uh, goodness. we'll be busy. Oh, my goodness. And we we got KDS coming up for TGFBI in the next few days. I believe you're in the Rasslam too, of course, I'm sure. Yep. Yeah. So these drafts, they they pile up. I'm already, in, it, in, I, I did the math today, including best balls. I'm already at 13 drafts I've already done. And I have six more scheduled, so that's 19. So I'm looking for one more if anybody's got one out there. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't done many yet. Um, I'm not a big early drafter. I like to wait till March to uh, see what's going on in spring training and stuff before I 
dive into my drafts. I like to make the mistakes of uh, drafting too early and getting getting screwed with all the injuries <laughs> and all that. That's always fun. Nick, one of the reasons I wanted to have Andy on, you know, I know you joined me and, and Trader Andy a little bit late in the process last year, but Andy here has been one of the most supportive people out there for us helping us getting started in this this is kind of a culmination of a little bit of a dream of mine and you and andy have been pretty awesome in helping me get there and you got your own goals as well i know andy before we get started on today i want to just wanted to thank you for everything you're always but whether it's just simply retweeting something reaching out giving an encouraging word or whatever i really appreciate that one of my favorite things about the fantasy baseball community is that togetherness and that sense of community and you were basically the first person to reach out to me so for that, thank you, and I'm going to kick your ass in three weeks at that live auction that we're doing. Well, you know, you're going to steal all my strategies tonight because you're going to hear everything. So <laughs> yeah, I think that's why you have me on. You want to beat me. But remember, you know, you guys were in the league with me last year. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just a redraft league, and I came in second, and you guys were kind of back in the back. I stunk. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> I stunk. I was terrible. But you took me out of my element. See, I I signed up for an auction. I've been doing auctions for for almost thirty years. You know, my Andy. Do you remember the first player you ever ever purchased an auction? I don't remember the first player, but I know that my catcher was Darren Dalton, and nice. one of my pitchers was Jose Ria. Very nice. Very nice. Nineteen ninety one. My my first two players were Greg Maddox, and I had a I had a partner, and and he was a Braves fan. And we we spent $36 on Greg Maddox, and he punched me because he said it was too much, and we said $30 max. And our second player was Charlie Huff for $4, and I punched him (laughs) for obvious reasons. All right, so 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 Andy's new to the microphone with us, so we're gonna play a little bit of a game, real quick, five minutes, because Nick got embarrassed by Justin last week, and. Andy, I did not give Nick the answers, but we're going to play a little game of get to know your expert and see if Nick can redeem himself here, okay? Again, Andy, I know you listened to the last one, but I'm going to give out arbitrary points that mean nothing, and it doesn't matter if you win or lose, but if Nick loses, he's going to be embarrassed and I'm going to bother him for weeks on end. All right? Okay, step one. Andy, you get to go first. Okay. Favorite sports movie. You're not allowed to say Angels in the Outfield. Oh, yeah, that was terrible. Um, <laughs> on the spot there. Now, uh, Slapshot. Oh, that's a good one. Okay, good one, good one. Nick, you, you've had a week to think about this. If you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. Dodgeball. Dodgeball. No, no, Slapshot wins. No, sorry. <laughs> sorry, sorry. The, the, the best answer would have been Strange Brew. If you haven't seen that, go check that out. That's from, I believe, the 80s. That was a hockey movie. Uh more of an alcoholic movie, but <laughs> kind of fun. Okay, all right, Andy, you live where? Where do you, you live in uh, Bucks County? I think, right? Yes. Okay, so you're technically not a New Jersey guy, but you are a New Jersey guy. So this is a right or wrong answer. So is it pork roll or is it Taylor Ham? Pork roll. Oh. <laughs> Nick, confirm. Oh no, that's not. That's incorrect. That's Taylor Ham. <laughs> that's Taylor Ham. All that's right, like that, a pitcher, that's like calling a pitcher a thrower. It just doesn't work. <laughs> I don't All know right. any. I don't know anybody who calls it Taylor Ham. So <laughs> I just moved to the non-existent Central Jersey, which is that doesn't exist apparently. And I guess they call it pork roll down here. I can't get used to it. It's Taylor Ham to me. My wife worked in a bagel shop in Passaic County, and when she was in high school, it's Taylor Ham to her. Taylor Ham to me. 
All right. All right. Nick, Nick gets awarded 30 points because that's the only correct answer. <laughs> all right. All right. Andy, you're first again. Favorite athlete not on one of your favorite teams all time? Oh, uh, Dan Marino. Oh, Nick, don't even answer. You lost. <laughs> 40 points to Andy. <laughs> all right. Nick, I'll let you go first on this one. What's your favorite meal on takeout night? Oh, easy. Sushi. Andy. Sushi. We just, uh, like I said, we just moved to Monmouth County. So we are going through Google Maps and looking for all the sushi spots down here. Did you find one yet or no? We did. It's very cheap. I like yeah. it. Uh, I like I could sneak orders in for lunchtime when the wife doesn't know about it either. Uh, okay. You're not doing You're not looking good. Uh, Andy could say just about anything right now. I'm just, I, I can pick anything and beat that one. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with a chicken parm sub. Yeah. <laughs> well, is right, it a that, hero or a that, sub? Depends on where you're from. Hoagie, hero, sub. No, it's a um, sub, man. It's a sub. <laughs> it, it, it's a sub. You did good. All right. That's 100 points to Andy. The score is like a million to five right now. You're getting killed again. It's like, it's right, like a you, little giant. Just got to get there. Just that one time. A li, li, little bit harder one here, okay? Shohei Otani, pitcher, hitter, or both? I, I mean, if you go by RT Sports, which we're going to have the uh, – FSGA draft on, he's both. You can choose each week which one you want to play him in. Right. Yeah, you could go back and forth with him. That, the, yep. the super utility flip-flop. Nick, which would you rather draft him as, a pitcher or a hitter? I just I saw today he hit 97 on the clock, so that's, that's promising. But, I don't know, give me, give me the hitter. I don't know. It's tough. I think he's a better hitter, and he's only going to pitch hitter. once a week. Yeah, but it's At weird most. because he does, he's going to DH half the time, but he, he will, he'll never hit when he's pitching. I don't know. It's weird. It makes no, no, sense. no no points awarded. I'm staying away from it. It's too confusing. <laughs> All right. All right, Andy, the, ne the next question is something I pick on Nick about a lot, so you're probably going to win this one. Better Twitter handle, mm. at Mimi or at Spit. <laughs> Really? Yeah, it's it's an easy one. <laughs> <laughs> Yours is creative. It touches on your on, on your on your job, no. and it touches on your name a little bit. There's a little bit of a confusion there. Is is like, are are we gonna spit? <laughs> is the guest doc telling me to spit? It's perfect. Nick was like the first person in line for Twitter. So and and maybe no. So back in 2000, I think it was seven or eight. I made this Twitter handle. I used to work for GameStop, and my uh, my managers made me make it. And, well, just, and what were you, 15 at the time? You, 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 did you put your Twitter handle on your working papers? Did you buy GameStop stock back then? I wish I did. I'm <laughs> picking myself every day. For, and my buddy actually um, sold all his stock before the big thing hit, and he, he hit the ceiling. I should have bought stock. I shouldn't. It's, it kills me. All right. La last question because we're going on too long, and Nick already lost. All right, it's time to relax. What's the beverage of choice? You only have one choice. Oof. Well, yeah, um, was it yesterday or the day before? It was National Margarita Day. Ooh. So I'll take a margarita on the rocks, no salt. Margarita on the rocks, no salt. Not bad. Okay, Nick? Well, I have a Jameson and Coke right now, but I'm going to go Mickey's malt liquor. I just got into that, and it is awesome. Little green grenades. Just found it. All right. So Nick's got new excitement over his newfound drink, but you're only getting five points, so you lost by a lot. All right. All right. All right. Enough crazy crap. Um, so let's talk some baseball now. That's what we're here for. I got a, I got a couple of players I'm a little bit of concerned about. 
You know, we we got to spring training. It's only a couple days ago. Pitchers and catchers reported, and and the the COVID bug is already starting to drop. So we got a couple of names here. I want. I just want to ask you too if there any concern with drafting them at their current ADP. If you think you you want to slide on them a little bit or whatnot. From the pitching perspective, it's Shane Bieber and Frankie Montaz. Either of those concern you right now? I mean, we're not. We don't know how bad they have it. Well, that's we the don't problem. even know if they're. We don't. Did they test positive? Or are they out because of protocol? I know they announced that Jose Abreu tested positive, but I haven't heard of Bieber or Montas tested positive or not. Yeah, so I, I believe I Bieber, Bieber did test positive, but he's already through it and okay. he's already ready to report. So. You know, I, I'm I'm not too concerned about them. Abreu, uh, Abreu is. 100% asymptomatic, so he should be fine. It shouldn't be an effect. I just got so concerned because there were so many players last year that were kind of up and down. We didn't know. Moncado was really had a, a down year. My guy, Scott Kingry, was terrible, um, tested positive during, during spring training. So I'm a little, little concerned here with that. Uh, another name that popped up yesterday, with one of my favorite sleepers this year, Franchi Cordero, hasn't reported yet. And it turns out that he tested positive, so I'm scared. So um, he's somebody I was I was drafting in the bench rounds. I took him in the MDA the other night, and I, I think I'm holding off. Any any of this really concern you guys at all? Or you're just kind of waiting and still seeing. It's still too early for that. It's early. They have time to come back. Um, actually, one guy I've been targeting in some drafts is a guy who was affected last year by it was uh, Eduardo Rodriguez. Yeah, I mean where he's going in drafts right now. If he's anything like he was in 2019, he's a bargain. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, me and I, Jeff talk about this a lot. It's 2020 was just a marathon sprint. It's not you can't take much stock into a lot of the uh, the stat lines and everything. Well, there there was concerns if he was even going to live. He well, he, he had developed some heart issues. Yeah, heart issues over yes. it. Yeah, right. and, and like like he was actually told not to walk for several weeks. So it, yeah, everything out of out of the the Red Sox camp is saying that he's 100. percent So yeah. I'm not I'm not too concerned about him. You know, there, there's a little trepidation, but like you said, Andy, he's basically going for free right now. He's practically a bench stash when he should be like an SP three. So I, mm-hmm. I I'll take that. I'm I'm good with that. All right, Andy. Before we get into the uh, auction strategies, let's talk about your Mets a little bit because yeah. I don't know what the hell's going on there. <laughs> I'm confused, man. Like. Dominic Smith was one of my favorite players last year. He, he had a great breakout opportunity was there, but now I don't even know if I see the the, the playing time. They they just drafted up uh, drafted. Um, I, I I got fantasy on the brain. They just they just acquired Kevin Pillar. Um, how do you see that lineup? Smith work, working Smith is out, gonna, man. Smith is going to play every day, um, unless he's maybe facing a tough lefty. They may sit him, but. They're not taking that bat out of the lineup. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that they're all praying that we get the DH in the NL, which I don't understand why we don't have it. But um, he's he's an everyday player. I, I, the guy who's going to lose at bats because of Pilar and Almora is Alonzo. Because if the Mets are ahead in the game and they want to go for defense, they're going to move Smith to first, take Alonzo out, and throw Pilar in center and move Nimmo to left. So... That's their plan. They're not. They're not starting Pilar or Almora over Smith. Okay, it's just it's just very strange because Pilar and Almora actually profile very similarly. They're both elite defensive center fielders. Well, um, 
Did you, did you see Pilar's um, defensive stats? He's like ranked 48 out of 50 last yeah. year. Um, he's he's dropped way off. Small sample, small sample. Uh, yeah, but it's concerning. But I, he's not playing every – he's not replacing Smith. His bat is nowhere near what Smith is, and Smith's going to be in there almost every day. Okay, so we so we think that McNeil is settling in as a second baseman constantly every day. Yeah, and he'll That's he'll it. go to third base when they sit Davis and throw Villar at second. Um, right. But McNeil's going to play mostly second that, base. That, That's so, uh, that that lineup is is going to be pretty good. So let me ask you then. You just men- mentioned Jonathan VR. What, what do you expect for him? Because I just don't see any at bats. I hate him. I hate him when he plays every day. But in Utility this scenario, guy. he's a he's a do not draft for me. Is there anything to see here other than? Oh no, I I would draft him if you can get him late. The guy's going to still steal twenty bases. I agree with Andy. He's going to come in late in games as a pinch runner, or he's going to come. He's going to spell. McNeil at second, so give Davis a day off at, at third. He'll play shortstop every once in a while. Um, he can play in the outfield. So, you know, I wouldn't dismiss him. I would definitely, you know, if you need stolen bases and he's sitting there and you're in reserve rounds, it's a free free pick. Especially right. in NL-only uh, leagues, too. Well, NL-only, I mean, of course. But even in a mixed draft, you know, you got to look at guys like him, John Birdie um, at the end of drafts. To get some stolen bases, the guys are sitting there in the twenty third, twenty fourth round. Um, you know, they're they're free money. Awesome, awesome. All right, so we're gonna we're gonna uh, ignore the Kevin Pilar signing for now, and we're just gonna consider him a bench bat, and we're not we're not gonna down downshift on uh, Dominic Smith at all. I, I like I said, I think the person that hurts the most is Alonzo. Wow. All right. That that's a unique take, man. I like that. I like that. Uh, Taiwan Walker. What do you think? You excited about that? Yeah, I love him. I, he's when when they met, you know they didn't get um, Bauer. Um, Walker was the guy I wanted out of who was left. So I'm I'm very happy with that with that signing. Yeah, I I actually just maybe a day before he signed got him as my. 11th pitcher in a draft and hold so I was really excited about that that's perfect got a, I think it was around 26 or something like that in a 15 teamer love it love it all right I'm in all right so let's get let's get into the meat and potatoes of what we're here to talk about today we're getting long already uh, we're gonna talk about auction strategies and Andy is the author of the auction values on the fantasy alarm website. I know this was a painstaking task for you. I'm sure. Uh, you do a great job uh, list, listing your your values for every different for f- what is it? 15, 12, and ten teams. I, I believe you did, right? Yeah, we do. I did 15, 12, and ten for the mixed, and I did um, AL and NL only twelve teamers. Awesome. There, there's something a little unique about your rankings that that differentiate you from how you do them. Versus others. So why don't you talk about what your process is and, and and what you do with your rankings from that? Well, you know, just going back to I cut my teeth doing in an NL only auction league. That's how I started back in 1991. And what you learned there, it was a keeper league, was that you first of all, you can't pay attention to any of the auction values that are published because your auction league, especially with keepers, is so unique that the values just don't matter because, you know, I... At one point, I had Mike Piazza for $7. So, you know, if he went in a redraft auction every year, he'd be going for 35 So that extra $28 has to get spread out amongst the rest of the people. 
and you learn over the years um, that you have to, you know, do specific auction values for your own league. It's very hard to just look at a list and say, yeah, you know, Joe Schmo is going to go for 24 bucks. And then you go to your auction and he goes for 35. Um, but the one thing that I do differently and that really bugged me all the time about reading about auction values on websites and in magazines was it didn't, the numbers didn't add up. If you added up to all the guys that you thought were going to be drafted, now you got 20, 26, I'm sorry, 260 bucks for 23 players and 12 teams. That's $3,120 that has to be spent. You add up the players, it would come out to 3800 3600 The values just didn't make sense. The only way it makes sense is if that you take those guys that are going to be drafted and it adds up to 3120 and that's how I do. So if you add up all the all the values on my on our website, each column is going to come up to 3120 for 12 teamers, 3900 for 15 teamers and 2600 for a 10 teamer. Exactly. And that's how I do it. And because you have to know what the price is going to be when you're bidding on these guys. If you look at Fangraphs, uh, one of the things I I did wrote in the little intro was that Mookie Betts's value on for a 12 teamer was $29. You tell me what auction Mookie Betts is going to go for $29. <laughs> he went in our home league he went for 52 or something like that last year and it was it was only because Trader Andy's com- internet froze and he was going to 70. <laughs> he promised 70. <laughs> wow. So so that's why I do them I do what I call auction prices because I'm trying to gauge the market and tell you what I think you're going to need to spend on a guy to get him. Awesome. Awesome. I love that. You brought up a great point with um, different leagues having different values. So Jeff, our our home league, I, um, we, we have our closers. You get a top end closer going 30, $32, give or take. Uh, I did a, a work league and I think it was at the time it was uh, Corey Knabel was nominated the first close on the board. And I said, all right, 20 bucks. Let's just get it right off the board. 20 bucks. And I want him for 20 bucks. <laughs> nobody was anywhere near 20 bucks. I think the next close was like 15. I also was drinking during the draft, but just goes to show you every league is going to be different with the values. Yeah. Jeff, in, in the league that we're going to be drafting in a couple of weeks, just closers, the top closer, if you're lucky, you'll go for maybe 17, 18. Oh boy. <laughs> just to give you a little bit of a, of a heads up. I mean, maybe a little bit more this year, but you rarely see $20 on a close. Right. Well, you both bring up a very important point and, and you know, if you've been in the same league for 25 years or even five years, you know the room, you know the players that guys like, you know their tendencies, whatever. So you can bid into that and you know, have an expectation. So what Nick just talked about, he was using a different league's experience, brought it in, in into a, a, a league that he was new to, and he got caught off guard. So sometimes you got to learn how to play the room a little bit better than that, Mr. Nick. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I don't know. Years ago. Yeah, you were a young buck back then. One time in in that auction league I was in, I forgot, somebody was injured out for the year. Somebody bids 15 bucks for him right off the bat. And everybody just went around the room, pass, 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 pass. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. That's great. Uh, Andy, when when you are setting your valuation, you set your valuations. Now you're going into a draft. Do you 
tier players or do you have specific targets that you're going for? Or do you just, in my opinion, what I do, every player, the entire player pool is on my board when, when I go into an auction. But I know some other people are like, okay, I have to have Reese Hoskins today or I need to get a third tier first baseman or whatnot. What's your plan of attack? And Nick, you could weigh in on that after he says something. Similar to yours, Jeff. I, I don't, I mean, those guys I like, but I don't think I ever come out of an auction with, you know, the guys I was expecting to. Um, our, the last draft we had two years ago in 2019, one guy I got was Freddie Freeman. I wasn't expecting it because I thought his price would be too high. Um, and we were bidding, and I bid 31, and I got him for 31. I was very happy. Um, wasn't expecting it. So, you know, you, you go into the draft with guys you like, but you can't be married to anybody. Um, you know, I, I think over the years I had Mike Trout once, um, you know, because I finally got him at a price that I thought was reasonable. But I'm not going to go crazy bidding on somebody just because I want him. Cool. Do you, do you give yourself like an inflation rate? Maybe say like let's say your like, your top guy on here is Acuna, and you have him at forty nine dollars in, in a in a fifteen teamer. So let's say that that's a, a player that you love that you target. What's the max you're going to spend? Let's say he's the second or third player called, and th- this is a, a guy you wanted forty nine dollars, but Nick over there says fifty two. You're out. I say I say keep him. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, it just depends. Like I said, it depends on the guy. It depends on how much I want him. It depends on where in the draft we are. Early in the draft, I'm probably not going to spend more than what I think a guy should go for. Um, I'm going to look for the bargains. And those bargains do happen in the beginning of dra- uh, auctions. Excuse me. Absolutely. Uh, sometimes sometimes Nick, that's probably what Nick was trying to do with that closer at the time that he was talking about in that work league, trying, mm-hmm. to, trying to save 10 bucks, and he ended up wasting 10 bucks. Exactly. All right. Uh, so do you set a budget on positions in advance? For instance, like like like, are, are you look at it and say, I need five outfielders, so I'm going to spend X on outfielders, or is it still the, the same thing? You're playing the room. Same thing. I'm playing the room. I mean, I'll put a budget in for hitters versus pitchers. Um, traditionally, you know, I used to kind of budget around ninety to ninety five dollars for pitchers total, um, which is like a sixty five thirty five split which is how I base my auction prices on, on the website also. Mm-hmm. It's about 65-35. Although this year, you know, looking at the market, it's been going more 60-40. People are spending up on pitchers a little bit more. So I may yep. have to adjust the value soon a little bit. But, yeah, I usually go in with, the, with that kind of budget. But then again, you know, you see how the room's going. And if I, you know, like an extra pitcher or two and I want to spend up, I may spend $100, $105 on pitch. Just depends on the year. Nick, yeah, Nick, and, Nick, how do you feel about that? I was just going to say the same thing. With you got to gauge the room. Um, I remember a couple of years ago, Jose Altuve was the first player nominated. Period, and I did not want Jose Altuve, but I ended up with Jose Altuve because he went under the budget I set for him. So you just got to play the room out and see how uh, basically just flows. Okay, and that's one of the unique things about the auction values is that they don't fit anybody's auction exactly, and that's what people have to understand. If the article I wrote that goes with it. Um, which is all about strategies and how to prepare and, and how to go about the auction. One of the things that you have to do during an auction 
is after every person is bid on, you look at your value, what you had, and let's say, you know, you had Mookie Betts for 41, and he goes for 43, you write down plus uh, minus two. That means there's two less dollars left in the auction to be used. And after each play, you got to keep adding those numbers up. The more negative the number is, then there's the prices are going to go down as the auction goes. And the more positive that number is, the prices are going to go up based on what you think because there's more money available to spend. The money's going to be spent. That's the, the whole beauty of an auction. And as long as you follow that, you can anticipate the prices going up or down later on in the auction. So that, that's a really great point and, and a very unique train of thought that, that I want to expand on a little bit. So what you're saying is, as players are called, so we're 20, 30 players in, you're going to have a number in your head based on that 3,000, whatever it was, I don't remember, number that's going to be spent. And you say, okay, so, so far we've overspent by $15. So I know that there's $15 in value later on. So maybe somebody that you budgeted at $4 is going to be a dollar player. Is that the way you look at it? Right. So maybe when you see that you're willing to overspend at that point, is that, is that in the immediate, not thinking towards the end of the draft. If you see that the draft has overspent by say $15, $20 or whatever, or do you want to jump in on that and be part of that curve? Or do you try to go the other way? I think it depends on how many guys you have and what you've already spent. You know, if, if you're, if you've already bid on a bunch of guys, you've already overspent probably on, on a few. So you may not want to overspend on the next couple of guys. The other way is that you may have underspent. You may not have won that many guys yet. Now it's like, all right, maybe jump in. I have a couple extra bucks to spend on guys I want. So I'm going to jump in now and maybe I'm going to nominate somebody I want. Even though I might have to spend a few extra bucks on them, it's worth it because I know later on I'm going to save some money. That's awesome. So you're you're paying attention the whole time to not only your performance versus your your valuation but everybody else's so you you can see how you're doing you have to keep track of everybody i mean way back when we developed the sheets where you keep track of each team how much money they have left how many guys they have left what's their max bid um that comes in handy very great towards the end of the draft because you look at everybody's roster and you're like okay i need a second baseman and Two other teams need second baseman, but everybody else has their spots filled. So there's only three second basemen left that are going to go. So I can hold off on bidding on a second baseman. But then you look at your starting pitching and you're like, I only have two starters and there's only like three good starters left. Oh, holy noly, I'm going to have to spend up on some guys because everybody needs starting pitching. So it, it go, you, know, you have to keep track of what everybody's doing what everybody has left, what everybody needs. It, you really have to pay attention in an auction draft. Yeah, I just did that in an uh, AL auction the other night. The um, closers go off the board. So I was looking for a middle reliever. Diego Castillo was there. I saw that everybody's max bid was $4. So I bid $4. I know nobody can yep. go to $5. Just exactly. knowing the room right there. Yep. Real, real smart. I, I can't wait to draft against Andy because he thinks just like me. <laughs> see, see, Andy, our, our home league, it's pretty intense because we have a, a minor league farm draft. So you get you get star players coming up and you have them for only $5 or whatever. Any Anybody you draft as a minor leaguer carries a $5 uh, uh, salary. 
So we have some. There's some crazy inflation in this league and whatever, and it gets yeah. a little little nutty at times with with how the pricing goes. So I don't get to use these 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 strategies that much that we're talking about, but it's ingrained in there, man. I can't wait to to draft against you. I'm gonna. I hope I hope there's a couple of ding dongs in that league, and it's not a bunch of guys that think like one of, you. One of my brothers, uh, he he's on the lower end. My other brothers, he's won the league four times. Um, I, I was looking at. I haven't won the league in I don't know how long, but I've come in second place four in the last six years. Yep, consistency, so, consistency. You know, yeah, just been a bridesmaid. To lose one year, I lost by one one point. Um, yeah, it's that is brutal. I think on the last day of the season too, I think I was either tied or ahead, and I lost by one. But you know, four out of six years, I came in second. So nice. Can't complain. Nice. Still won some money. Nice, Nick. I'm going to start with you on this question. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about how you build your roster and your team. Do you like to take more of a balanced approach or do you like more of a stars and scrubs approach or is it something that you figure out while you're at, while you're at it? I, whatever I put on paper prior to the draft gets ripped up after the first player gets called. Nothing ever goes to plan. Um, <laughs> in a stake draft, I find myself more so balancing my team out. In an auction, I find myself just going for the best values. I look for the stud. If the stud can't happen, like my ale auction the other night, I wanted Cole, I wanted um, Bieber, didn't get him, went too high. So I ended up with Lynn, Grinky, Hendricks, DJ. So I balanced my team out pretty well with that, actually. And I was pretty happy the way it came out. Do, do you take any of your experience from snake drafts into the auction? And what I mean by that is, do you look at it and, and say... I want to make sure I get at least one first round type player. Or if I miss out on the first round player, now I want to get three second round players to make up for that. Is that some something that, that works in your brain that way? Not necessarily. Um, I do think of it in a way like that, but I want to make sure at least I'm walking away with at least one first round player. That's the big thing to me. Walk away with one first round player. Um, and after that, I just play the board and see what happens. Andy? Yeah, I mean, I I don't really go in with a plan. Um, no stars and scrubs. And, I mean, I, I look at – I want to get – pitching is important to me. So, you'll see, Jeff. You know, I'll, I'll be in on a lot of the early pitchers. Um, I, I like to set up my staff a certain way. Um, but hitting-wise, I'm happy with getting two or three $30 guys rather than a $45 guy in 220s. Um, one of the articles that, you know, when I first started writing a couple of years ago, I wrote this, uh, article called, I can't drive 55. And what <laughs> I did was I took combinations of players from NFBC auctions that were going for a combined $55. So like I took a $45 Mike Trout and a $10, whoever, a $28 Goldschmidt with a $27, somebody else, and compared their combined stats to show people that you can spend the same amount of money but you're going to get different value for that based on who you bid on. Um, same amount of money for two players, but you have to decide what stats you want and, and what you're going to get for it. And just to add on to that, if you're going for that $55 Mike Trout, you better damn well hit on those late round picks. You got to hope so. Otherwise you're. No, but, but you know, Nick, it really doesn't matter because if you think, look, if you're spending $55 on two players, it doesn't matter if 54 of them's on Mike Trout and a dollars on Jonathan VR. And then the other two, you can spend $28 on Goldschmidt and 27 on Max Muncy. I'm just making things up. Yeah. You're still spending $55 on two players. It doesn't affect the rest of your draft. Yeah. 
That's a good way to look at it. But it it does come into play if there's injuries that which you can't predict. But yeah, that that that's all. All right, hey, hey, let's talk about some other uh, other personal strategies. Anything you have in your back pocket? My favorite thing is, and this is one of those that goes bad very often. I am a price enforcer. I will take every player up to the value that I have them at, and I will force. If I got a player at eleven dollars and he's about to go off the board at seven, you damn well know I'm going to say eight, nine, ten, and make you pay eleven if you want him because that's the value that I have him at. Is that something that either of you do, or is there any other personal strategies that you take into the room as well? I do that with my brother Paul all the time. <laughs> he's he he's a snake, and I, like he's very good. Um, you know, like I said, he's won the league about four times in the past uh, eight or ten years. Um, it depends on the player. For me, um, if I don't want the player, I'm not going to take a chance and bid an extra dollar, and then I'm stuck with somebody I don't want. So I'll price and force here and there, but I'm not going to do it all the time. Yeah, I, I think that's an important point. If you change it up and you're not always doing it every single time. Then people will not under not expect that you're in on a player when they think that you might be price enforcing. So it's important to change it up like that. Uh, one of the other things that is important to change up as well is your your cadence. I don't know if that's something that either of you guys focus on. Do you like to fast bid in on a player as soon as they're nominated, jump in? Or you like to take a sip, relax, put your hand behind your head, and wait and let everybody else jump in and and get the big bucks out of the way first. I think, Jeff, you're hitting on a great point about auctions that are live, is that you have to change up everything you do. You got to nominate guys you want. You got to nominate guys you don't want. You have to bid on guys you want. You have to bid on guys you don't want. Um, every opportunity to change it up is what you have to do because you can't let people know what you want, what you're doing. Amen. Nick, you have any other strategies that you use? Um, I, I nominate the opposite of what I want. In the beginning, I nominate the player I do not want, the big buck player, get that money off the board right off the bat. Cool. A couple of my other favorite tactics. I I love the $2 jump. All right. That usually catches people off guard if they say seven, eight, nine. First off, Andy, I'm an auctioneer. I've done probably, I don't know, 50 auctions as an auctioneer over the years. And nothing drives me more crazy than when it's going once, going twice, and then six, six, <laughs> going once, going twice, seven, seven. Going, and then I can't know. I don't know who the hell said it. That drives me insane. I, my, my home league guys, I hope you're listening, but they already know it. So that's one of the things that I like to do is I like that $2 jump, $3 jump, $5 jump. It, you know, if, if, if there's a player that you valued at $40 and right now he's at 18, like don't waste your no, time. Yeah, that's, Get these guys I, out of there, man. If the they're most, going 18, 19, 20, sorry, 37. Yeah. Step no, the up. Most, the most annoying thing is a guy who nominates Mike Trout and goes, Mike Trout, $2. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Old. Old. You know, it's, you just can't be that person. <laughs> yeah. Andy, how do you feel about, is there anything, uh, strategically with round numbers that that you do with your bidding like or no. do you avoid the number five do you know avoid the number zero anything like that or who cares no, no that, that to me that that's nothing that who cares about that i you know i'm gonna 
if, if let, let's just say Mookie Betts, I, you know, I'll throw, let's say I'm going to throw him out. I'll probably start him out at like 35, 36, somewhere in that ballpark. I mean, I may pick 35 just because you just naturally may say those kind of numbers, but I'm going to start, you know, maybe five to 10 bucks less than what I think he's going to go for just to see what you can get him. Maybe a little bit of a bargain. Nice. What, what about, let's say you expect somebody to be uh, 39, 40, $41 and you want the player getting to that 39 and forcing your opponent to say the number 40, which might be a little painful. Just I would a little do, psychology. I do that because you're, you're trying, you, you're automatically making somebody bid more than when you want. So I'm probably not going to bid max on anybody off the bat, um, whether I want them or not, because I think that's just forcing the price up. Okay. I got one last question for you guys. And Nick, you just did an auction online the other day. Mm-hmm. COVID's a real thing, uh, you know. I, our our home league, we're not we're not doing live auctions anymore. Probably not until twenty twenty two. Andy and I are doing a live auction together in three weeks. That that's that's pretty great, and it, it sounds like everybody got vaccinated now. So we're, we're feeling yep. good about that. But there's a whole different world between doing an online auction versus an in person auction. And either of you have anything to add to that, maybe a different strategy or something that you have to think about a little bit differently. I need some help on this because I, I, I didn't do very well last year online. Well, I mean, is it with online? Is it with people, you know, or people you don't know that I think that's a key difference because if it's people, you know, it really shouldn't change much from the live auction because you know what people are going to bid, you know, you know how people are, what they usually, their, their tendencies are. But if you go into an auction on NFBC, you have no idea what these people are going to bid. None. And I think it's very difficult to do a, an online auction with people you don't know. Well, there's one thing I disagree with you about doing an online auction with people you know. They turn into into little Twitter keyboard warriors over there and they, they know that I'm, they, they know there's a player that I want and I'm going to get and they know to stay away or they're going to get a pen thrown at them <laughs> and they're they're not afraid of that pen coming to hit them when they're, when it's over the internet <laughs> well plus two the online auctions I you know I've done a few um, you go to bid you hit the button but you didn't realize like three other people hit the button so you thought you were bidding 22 and all of a sudden you've been 26 um, I think that's one of the problems with with the online. It's it's tough with that because you may um, end up bidding way more than you thought and get somebody for a couple of bucks more than you were expecting. I I, I noticed that myself last year, and as that. a as a commissioner, I'm adding a couple extra seconds to the bidding process this year because I I found myself in that situation. I got players. I'm like, I didn't even know I bid on that guy. I was trying to go plus one. And you end up plus 30. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I'm going to add a couple extra seconds onto it ju- just to make sure of it. All right, guys, before we head out of here, anything anything else you want to talk about with auction strategies tonight? I think you hit the nail. I think everything was hitting the nail ahead. Um, Andy did a great job on that article. I will not share it with Jeff until after the uh, draft is completed. Um, I already I already read it, man. I just told you Acuna was number one at forty nine dollars. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great article. I actually do buy it every single year, even before we did the podcast. I would buy the Fantasy Alarm. It is a great article. I highly recommend it. I will push the living crap out of it. Um, and even to touch back on too, with uh, I know you guys are talking about the price enforcement. I get my heart. I get like knots in my stomach when I bid on a player I don't want. And I'm like, come on, somebody bid, somebody bid. It's, it's a great feeling. It's a, it's a good feeling to have. Auction just live is so much fun to do. 
Yeah, that's the worst feeling is when you know you bid seventeen on somebody and you you're expecting somebody to bid eighteen and everybody's you know you hear the crickets and you're like oh shit I got this guy. <laughs> <laughs> That happened. That you you get at least one player that way every single year. Oh, of course, absolutely of course. the crickets. Hopefully, it's usually only a dollar player. Right, but the, <laughs> but honestly, the worst is if it's in that end where you're filling up a last spot or you only have a dollar left or or whatnot, and you have somebody that you're targeting that you're excited about. And you make that mistake, and then you can't get the guy that you wanted, and he, he goes to somebody else. Or well, you overspend, and you didn't save $2, and then you nominate somebody at the end, and somebody else says two across the way. Yeah, well, you know, that two golden rules about auctions. One is at the end of a draft, and you only have a buck left to bid on somebody, you never bid on somebody you don't want. That's number one, because you're gonna, you can end up with them if nobody else bids on them. Mm-hmm. Number two is never, ever, and I wrote this in my article, is, you know, five rules of, of auction drafting. And the last two rules are the same. Do not leave the auction with money left. It's there to spend. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a guy who was new to the league a couple of years ago. He ended up with $49 left at the end of the draft. He was new. He never did an auction before. You know, he, he learned and he, you know, he did better after that. But he realized that he was not bidding enough on guys he wanted early in the draft because he thought it was going to be too much, you know, to spend an extra dollar or two on these guys. And then he ends up with $49 on the table at the end of the draft. I mean, you know, some people can end up with a dollar or two. I mean, that's unavoidable sometimes, but you should have zero at the end. That's a golden rule of auctions. Well, one of the things that we did in our home league to kind of counteract that and award the idiots is <laughs> if you, if you have auction dollars left over, they go into your fab for the year. That's something that we just started a couple of years ago. So there's definitely a strategy to it at the end. So players aren't going over. I call it the Matt Mieske rule. And some some of my friends are going to hear me say that and laugh at me. Because in the 90s when I was new at this, I I think it was my second or third auction. And I made that mistake. And I was, I was really drunk. I was really <laughs> drunk that day. And... I had $42 left over. I needed one player, and I spent $42 on Matt Mieske, <laughs> who Nick has no idea who that is. <laughs> well, actually, can I, can, I, can I add on to that? The number yeah. one rule of auction drafting, don't get drunk. <laughs> I think that's the number one rule. Yep. I have screwed up drafts being drunk on an auction, so now I have one drink, and that's it. That's my rule. There you go. All right. What words of wisdom from Nick? <laughs> All right, Andy, anything else anything else you want to throw in there before we get out of here? And you could also take a moment, plug your work, and let everybody know where we could see what you're doing. Sure. Well, first of all, you can find my auction values, uh, quote, prices on Fantasy Alarm. Um, as far as uh, last things to say is, Jeff, I just want to warn you one thing, is that those prices that you see on Fantasy Alarm will not be the exact prices I bring to my our draft. Nice. So if you think that that's what you're going to be bidding against me on, you'll see. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> so, so your values are based on the group think, but it's not yeah. necessarily what you're going after. Well, no, don't you're, you're not to. necessarily going to that valuation because you might be higher or lower on certain players. Yeah. I mean, you, you, look, this, this league we've, I've been in for, you know, since 1991. Um, it's, it's morphed into different things, but um, you know, I know these guys. I've been 
playing with them for years. So I know who, you know, how much some guy's going to spend on this guy and that guy. Um, so they're going to be a little bit different than what you see on the, on the, on the website. Awesome. All right, Andy, thanks again for joining us today, guys. You could check out Andy on Twitter at gas doc underscore spit. I, I forgot that before underscore spit. And you could check out this boring guy at N Mimi. Uh, Trader Andy's not with us tonight. He's at AMAC22NJ. And I'm, of course, at JTrella20. Trevor, take us out. Appreciate everything, guys. Peace.